Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here today with... Marilyn. And... Kim. And we're going to talk about bringing a teen home for high school. When you have not been homeschooling since kindergarten, and your kid has been in traditional school, and for any number of good reasons, you might decide that they're coming home for high school. They might be starting high school at home, or they might be coming home at 10th grade or 11th grade, or this would be a tough one, but senior Senior year. year. Mm -hmm. And we have seen a lot of this in families in our local community over the years, and Marilyn in particular has been up close and personal with these family stories because she has served for many years as the principal of our local day school, diploma program, umbrella school, Whatever you want to <laughs> call, call, call it, where you live. Home of awesomeness. How's yes, that? <laughs> there we go. There we go. So we have an earlier episode um, bringing, what do we call it, bringing your teen home for high school that talked about a lot of the reasons that people consider doing that and um, ways to evaluate the pros and cons, how to deal with when mom's perception of this decision is different from the kid's perception in either direction. So lots of those sort of more, um, uh, like the reasons, and now we're going to talk about the practical how-to. Because there's this whole thing when you homeschool high school, you have to be creating a transcript for this child that will indicate what learning took place over the years of high school. Especially if you're... A student is college-bound. You have to have a transcript that makes sense to the college. But even if they're not college-bound, many jobs or other opportunities require at least a a high school diploma, and you need something to show. And they often want to see the transcript as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start with a really big, overarching um, kind of a summary and we're going to point you to some resources that are on the sevensistershomeschool.com blog because Vicki Tillman has blogged there um, many times and with slightly different twists on this subject to help parents get a really good grasp of what learning is supposed to happen in high school and what are the things that are pretty much universally expected across all the states in the United States at least and even in many countries around the world, too. If you're talking about a high school education, what is that supposed to include for the basic framework? So we're going to begin by sort of um, jumping to Vicki's voice here in one of her posts that has been extremely popular. And if you have not looked at it before, you just want to go to the blog and search for 26 credits, just the numeral 26 and credits. And if you search for that in the blog, you'll find her post, Homeschool High School Transcripts, the 26 credits needed for graduation. And actually, most kids end up with more than 26 credits on their transcript. And certainly college-bound students do. So this is not how to do high school. This is a basic framework to make sure that the, the big pieces are there. So you need language arts and you need four years of language arts. Four credits, a big credit. And we also have posts on the site that break down the language arts credit because it includes literature, it includes writing, it includes vocabulary, it includes grammar, and it should even include public speaking, which a lot of people miss. Um, So four 
credits of language arts, four credits of math, and exactly what those maths will be will vary based on the child's ability and plans for after high school. They or, almost always include algebra and geometry. Yes, those mm -hmm. are algebra one standard. and geometry. Algebra one and geometry are pretty mm -hmm. much standard. And then you have four credits of social studies, and those can vary again, but we'll, we'll get into more specifically what should be there. Um, but there, there are some that are sort of standard, and then you have some flex with some of the others. Four credits of science, and some of those need to be lab sciences, where you have extra hours that you log that are the, the lab experiences and the hands-on. You need two or three credits of world languages, and that is going to very much depend on your plans for after high school and what college... Um, the college that you're going to apply to, what their expectations are, because that varies. At least two credits of phys ed. At least one credit in fine arts. It makes me gag to even say two credits of phys ed and one credit of fine <laughs> arts, because like your kids should be moving and active and encouraged to do that all four years of high school. Exactly. And you really need to expose your child to more than one credit's worth of fine arts. My artist heart is just breaking inside me. But you're only really required to dabble in it for one credit. So there you go. A credit of technology, which is funny to me because it's our kids who know technology way more than exactly. we do. Exactly. But, but that depends on the state as well. Yes. Mm. Yes. Three credits of career exploration. And that can take many different forms, but um, career exploration is one of the most powerful courses of study for a teen in high school. And then two to three electives, and those will be courses that are building on a passion or an interest of your child or that are um, plugging them into something that happens in your family or community, something that, that is off of just the standard academic path but really speaks to them. Or something that they will benefit from as they're applying to college. If you're looking to make them appealing for a particular type of admissions officer, yes. Yes. Or even just to follow a passion that they have. So um, let's break this into the subject areas, and then Marilyn, we're gonna we're gonna want to hear from you about some of the ways that a parent can figure out if they're bringing their child home at high school. Then, if we're talking about math, okay, how do I figure out what math to pick exactly. for this year? <laughs> what do they already have? What do we? How do we know? Math. Let's start there. So typically with four math credits, a student will be taking Algebra 1 and Algebra, uh, sometimes Algebra 2, but at least Algebra 1 and Geometry. Often they're doing Algebra 2, some kind of consumer math or financial literacy, pre-calc or statistics, depending on whether they're going into a STEM major or their particular college aspirations or life aspirations would benefit from that. One of the big questions, if you're bringing your child from a public school that does integrated math, is now what? Okay, wait, just explain. Integrated math means? Integrated math means that every year they do a little bit of algebra and a little of geometry and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And if you do that same program for all four years, it should have covered algebra one, algebra two, geometry, and maybe even some trig or pre-calc. But? But a lot of curriculum works in 
Algebra 1, Algebra 2, Geometry, Pre-Calc, and Calc. And when you're trying to switch, it's very difficult to figure out exactly what have they done and what level was it. Like, mm -hmm. have they gotten enough geometry that we can skip geometry now? Or have they just dabbled a little bit in geometry? Okay, you've done two years of integrated math. What have you what actually done? Mm -hmm. Right. And even the students don't know sometimes. Right. So placement tests? Or sometimes placement tests, sometimes over the summer doing like a just basic even level two book in one of those areas to make sure. And like going through it quickly and seeing, have I covered all of these subjects? Do so I know work, them well enough? Not, not necessarily, necessarily do the whole the book, okay. but okay. maybe even taking the quizzes at the end of each chapter's chapter till you do. get to something where it's like oh boy I either don't remember this or I'm not sure I've ever seen this before mm -hmm. but it can be very difficult for you as a parent to know them where to place them or even for us as a school when we're doing mm -hmm. um, academic advising to know what does this mean this is especially a big deal if your student might be STEM oriented and they're going to need Pre-calculus and calculus, mm -hmm. and they're going to need to show that they are proficient. Mm -hmm. And do we want to just clarify, too, what is a STEM student? A STEM student is a student who will probably major in science, technology, engineering, or math. There you go. And they were, are going to need a lot of math. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, this is a good time for us to remind people, too, that if you do some placement tests or you work through the quizzes in a book and try to determine and you decide, okay, I'm pretty sure my kid has gotten up through Algebra 1 and dabbled a little bit in geometry, but I think we need to start with geometry for this year. And you start with geometry for this year and you're three weeks in or seven weeks into the year and you're going, this is not the right fit. This is something's right. Either there's something missing in algebra and I think actually we need to go back or this kid already knows all of this. Why are we doing this? <laughs> exactly. It's okay to scrap your school book and make yes. a change. You right. can make a change. It's part of the beauty of bringing a kid home is you can discover where they are and then say, oh, well, we're going to course correct because this is actually where you are on the path and that's okay. So make sure you give yourself permission to get it wrong and to start off with one curriculum and then make a course correction. I'm going to segue into science right now only because there is a correlation here. Some of the sciences require a certain amount of proficiency in math, Ooh, such as chemistry one. and physics. So yep. if you can't figure out where the math is, it can impact what mm -hmm. sciences you can take that year. So there is a correlation here because taking chemistry without being proficient in Algebra 1 is a killer. Yep. And it and we've seen it really, yes, it really, really, really mm -hmm. probably means that students going to spend inordinate amounts of time trying to figure out their chemistry because now they're trying to apply math they don't really know, which mm -hmm. is not really very easy to do. So the moral of that story is be kind to yourself and be thoughtful. <laughs> and maybe take something in your sciences that's lighter or that's more, more general like science. Mm -hmm. and save the math-intensive sciences for later if you're when able you're, to do that. When you're right. sure that you yeah. know where that student's uh, math level is. Good. Social studies. How do we figure out 
what they've had. How do we know what they need? Okay, the four, you've got to have four, right? You have to have four credits, and typically those are a full credit of world and U.S. history, half credit each of geography, civics, economics, and one of your choice, which could be a social science, and we'll get to that. The problem is figuring out what the names on the transcript that you're reading from the school means. So you know? this is harder <laughs> if you're bringing home a 10th grader, an 11th grader, exactly. or a 12th grader. If they're going through middle grade, school, yeah. no, no big deal. Right. But, okay, so you're, you're looking at a transcript and it has two years of high school stuff on there. And social studies says things like, I don't know, what, what credits might you see? You might see, like, world history and geography. So is that, but it says one credit. So is that a half credit of each? I mean, how do you count that and then figure out what is missing? Um, or figure out how to add to it in a way that will look appealing to the college when they apply to it. Fortunately, on your transcript, you're probably going to say transferred from X school so they you can, go. you know, argue with them about what that <laughs> means. But... Again, you don't want your student redoing something they've already done and being bored with it. But on the other hand, you don't want to miss these big chunks of learning that you mm -hmm. hope that they would have. So for social studies, I would imagine that talking with your kid is one of your, your best helps, answers. Yes. So mm -hmm. if you ask them, uh, tell, tell me what geography you think you did last year in this class. You know? <laughs> exactly. And if they say, oh, well, every month we had uh, five days that were dedicated to and we did maps and we did, but then you can go, right. oh, that's quite okay. a bit of geography. That sounds like it was a serious component. But if it was right. that every time we started something, the teacher vaguely referred to the fact that it happened somewhere in the world, that <laughs> You might want to go a little deeper than that. <laughs> Absolutely. And also along the lines of something that you just said triggered this for me, Marilyn, it, you know, we don't want to miss major chunks, but just be aware, if you are homeschooling high school, whether you are bringing somebody home in their senior year, whether you are homeschooling all of high school, if you are honest all and look at, at your <laughs> own education, you cannot cover everything that there is to know in the world. We have to do a good, diligent, reasonable job of covering this particular topic, which might mean credit hours or a portion of a book or what have you, a large portion of a book, may I say, um, or, a, or a course. Um, but just just giving yourself a little bit of flexibility to know that you can't homeschool perfectly any more than you can do anything else perfectly. You want to do a good, diligent, um, sincere, prayerful effort and be, be good with that. Right. I mean, when you're looking at social studies, you can't in a year cover everything that it took 200 years there you to go. happen. Uh, <laughs> you're going to have to hit just the major events. And yep. Deciding what the major events are, that even varies from person to person. Absolutely. Well, we've talked to a lot of moms over the years who their biggest fear about homeschooling high school is they say, I just don't want my kid to graduate with these holes in their education. And, oh, we missed this. And we would just like to remind you, every single one of us who graduated from a public school, a private school, a parochial school, a whatever, a college, a whatever, we have holes in our education. None of us learned everything that there was to learn. So the point is to not 
negligently just ignore, oh, well, we'll just do whatever. You know, yeah, there are some basic big pieces that you want to be sure you are giving priority. But we've all got holes in our education. That's the beauty of being lifelong learners. There right? you go. There you go. For example, I grew up in the city of Philadelphia. And then between 6th and 7th grade, we moved to the suburbs. In Philadelphia, they did world history in 7th grade. In the suburbs, they did world history in 6th grade. I never had world history. And guess what? There's a lot of stuff I don't know, and there's a ton of stuff I've learned. And I'm kind of okay, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> I never took any kind of political science or civics until Ooh. I taught my kids. There you go. the high they school I was in, well, they did it, and most of the students in my school took it. But there was this quirky little thing that you could take instead that I thought sounded fascinating. And um, it was structured around the impact of the world wars on the world. And so you could take, um, you could take world history from 14 to 45 and then 45 to the present, which was a while ago. We're not going to say what the present was. but <laughs> um, And it was specifically, it was like this kind of abstract, cool, principle-based thing of what did the world wars do to the way of... And I, I loved it. It was really cool. But for some reason, they let you choose to take that instead of... Oh, economics, too. Never took that. Because economics right. was one we semester. we didn't do that. And political science slash civics was the other. And I never took either one until I taught my kids. And I lived to tell the tale. How about that? Mm -hmm. So yep. it'll be all right. You will have holes. Yep. Um, all right. So we've talked about math. We've talked about science. We've talked about social studies. Let's let's slide over to social science because that is something that a lot of people are not even sure what it means or what you do with it. So if you're as old as I am, and I'm not telling you how old that is, we didn't have social sciences. Well, we <laughs> had them, but they didn't call them that. So colleges these days are looking for you to have a certain amount of social sciences on your transcript. And it turns out those are like civics and geography and intro to psych and sociology and anthropology and those kinds of things which we had but we didn't call them social sciences so now you have a new term to use um so and it's, those it's are a new term but it's not its own separate credit category on the high school not necessarily it falls, under it falls mostly under social studies because it electives. is more yeah or electives and, and Obviously, depending on what you're going to be doing in college or after life, you might choose amongst those because it will be helpful for you. Mm -hmm. Good. All right, how about world languages? I think we should look to Kim for ooh, this one. Ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. <laughs> We're looking at Kim now. Here, you can, you can pretend like you're looking at Kim, too. And why are we looking at Kim now? Uh, because... Kim actually has some holes in her high school experience because... <laughs> She took six years of Spanish, four years of French, and a year of Russian between middle school and high school. And they let me, like, weasel out of things like <laughs> civics and things like that. And physics, thank you, Lord. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'm the language geek. And I almost cheered when she mentioned that on the category thing, but I didn't want to distract you all or myself. So world languages, we knew those as foreign languages, if you're a little bit on the more experienced side of life. Um, it's the same thing. It's just a more more modern term. Um, some areas will also count ASL, American Sign Language, as a foreign language. Some areas will not. And again, it will depend if your student is college-bound, 
Some colleges will accept ASL as a foreign or world language. Some will not. Let me just segue on that one for a second. Our local university will accept American Sign Language as your foreign language requirement for high school. So your transcript can say ASL 1, ASL 2, ASL 3, you know, whatever you need on there, and that will be acceptable to them. However, if your program of study requires a foreign language in at the university, you cannot take ASL there instead because it's American Sign Language. So it's not foreign, and therefore that's how they define it, which doesn't matter except that if you then take Spanish 1 and everyone in your class has had Spanish and you've had nothing, you could kind of be behind the eight ball before you even start in there. So it's not a don't take American Sign Language. It's very useful. Mm -hmm. But it's just be aware. Yes. Absolutely. Right. So typically, you know, Spanish is very popular, French somewhat. Um, A lot of the Asian languages are becoming way more popular. Arabic is popular. And there are lots of places to get these languages. You can get them... You can do a lot of them at home by yourselves, but languages really, really kind of beg to be done with other people so that you can speak them. (laughs) Um, So I'm a big proponent of doing them in a co-op or in a class or something so that you get that chance to practice and have fun with them as well. And also, I I think Marilyn may have mentioned in the previous podcast, um, or Sabrina, when we went through the overview, the colleges are looking for all of the years of the same language. So mm. although it's really cool to take a year of German and a year of French and a year of Japanese or whatever, um, a college is going to look at that and say you had one year of foreign language or world language. Okay. You can have more than one language. Oh, they love that. But you that. need to do two or three of the same language and get to those tenses and grammatical structures that you wouldn't get to in just taking three years of a language one. Yeah. 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 Okay. So have we covered everything? Um, So math, English. We haven't talked about English because English language arts is is hard to talk about. It's also probably less of an issue as far as how are you going to tackle this. if you're looking at what your kid already has on a high school transcript coming home from a traditional it, high school. It's usually pretty clear that they had, clear. it usually either says English 9 or Language Arts 9 if they've been there for ninth grade or something like that. So you can then decide what Language Arts 10 or English 10 <laughs> exactly. is going to look like <laughs> for your home school. And as long as you're not just duplicating the novels that your kid read the year before or, and, and you're giving them some, some breadth and some depth. And let's face it, there are going to be holes in this one because you cannot read all of those things during high school. So it's okay. It's kind of like history. You can't do all of recorded history. You can't do all of the written word. And we didn't actually say what sciences are required. Typically, most students will take biology and chemistry with lab and some kind of health. The, The others are more up in the air. Physics is often done, and sometimes physical science. The reason we were talking about it in conjunction with math is that, obviously, chemistry and physics require a fair amount of math. 
where you could run into an issue is if your student had biology or health in ninth grade and you have no clue what their math is, mm -hmm. like, now what do I do? Right. But, but you can work around it and do some of the more life science type things that year while you're figuring out what math has been covered. Good. Yeah. All right. Um, electives, we have whole podcasts on electives, and electives have a whole lot less that's required about them because you get to elect what, <laughs> what you're going to study. <laughs> so right there in the word. And even in our store, there are some really cool electives at Seven Sisters that you won't find in other places. So you can use traditional, typical subjects that we've already discussed for electives, or you can kind of go out of the box a little bit and get some really cool stuff. Right. Um, yeah, we, we would really encourage you to go to sevensistershomeschool.com and search in the blog for electives, or just go right into the ebook store and look in the career exploration and electives store category. Um, because some of these things, social sciences that we talked about, um, and some sort of out-of-the-box, unusual social studies things that you could do are, are um, there in History and Philosophy of the Western World, mm -hmm. which is one social studies that you could use. Philosophy and Four Questions, very cool, very um, perfect fit for a certain type of thinker. And my son was one of those, and that was his favorite course in high school. Mm -hmm. um, introduction to Psychology and Human Development. Oh, that was one of our favorites. a Christian perspective. And we also mentioned briefly with math, there should be some kind of financial literacy. And we also are huge fans of Sarah Hibbert Hayes' uh, Financial Literacy from a Christian Perspective, which you can find in the bookstore. So just go and browse around. You can see excerpts from all of our ebook curriculum there. And you can get a taste for um, some of the options that you have when you are trying to figure out what are you going to teach your kid this year because you brought them home for high school. And, of course, we have a plethora of literature study guides and writing guides. So we don't want... We didn't mention them because we, we kind of skipped over language arts. We but Because that's a whole other thing. We could do a no whole other podcast on we, that. We've already been at this for, for close to a half an hour, and we didn't even touch on all the, all the literature that is out there and all the writing that is to be done. So that just means you're going to have to tune into another episode of the Homeschool High School podcast down the road. And we hope that today has been some good, instead of nuts and bolts, nuts and chocolate, mm -hmm. uh, and that you understand a little bit more, okay, I'm bringing my kid home for high school, but how am I going to figure out what we do this year? Hopefully this has been practical and helpful in understanding what is going to need to go on that curriculum shopping list for the year so that at the end of the year the credits can go on the high school transcript. So thank you for being with us. We look forward to future episodes with you on the Homeschool High School podcast, which was brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com, a proud partner of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. See ya.